Our scripture today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 21. We'll begin at verse 1. This is the familiar Palm Sunday passage. Matthew 21, beginning at verse 1, where Matthew writes, When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I try to imagine what Jesus must have been feeling as he approached Jerusalem. Jesus had been in Bethany, which is the village just a couple of miles away from Jerusalem, just out of Jerusalem, across the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives, just past it is Bethany. It's the home of Mary and Martha and the brother Lazarus. It was the place where Jesus typically stayed when he would be in the Jerusalem area. So Jesus has left Bethany. He's approaching Jerusalem tops the hill of the Mount of Olives and immediately can see the beautiful scene of Jerusalem. The scene is absolutely breathtaking. As you look across to Jerusalem, coming down from the Mount of Olives, off to your right would be the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was known to go and pray where he will be praying later on this week. To the left is the cemetery, the graveyard where Jesus later from the temple steps will point over and say to the Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs. Then the Kidron Valley, then up to the walls of the city of Jerusalem, the gates that allowed people to come and to go, and just on the other side of the walls, there is the temple. The temple of God, 
the house of God. It, here in the city of God was the place where God was believed to dwell and be among his people. Jesus had been there many times. This was not a new scene for Jesus. You might remember Luke tells us that Jesus was dedicated there in the temple. As Jesus was a child, throughout his life each year, Mary and Joseph would take him to celebrate the Passover there at the temple. It's when we might remember Jesus at age 12 was actually left by his mother and father there in the temple. They started back home and were a ways away when they realized Jesus isn't with us. When they turned around, went back to Jerusalem, they found Jesus in the temple. There he was sitting among the elders, teaching and being taught, listening to the wisdom that they had to offer. Jesus was very familiar with Jerusalem, very familiar with the temple. But this time, it would be different. Jesus knew that this time, it would lead to the cross. I wonder what he was thinking as he sat on top of the hill of the Mount of Olives, overlooking then the city of Jerusalem. What was he feeling? See, Jesus knew exactly what was coming. He knew the cross would be part of this journey. He had told the disciples several times before that he had to go to Jerusalem and that when he arrived there, he would be handed over, he would be crucified, he would die. You may remember in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus was telling the disciples the story of how when they would go to Jerusalem, he will be handed over to die. It was Peter who spoke up and said, no, don't say anything like that. And, and Peter actually tried to chastise Jesus. Surely we would never let anything like that happen. You remember Jesus' response? He looked at Peter, the one he had just named Peter, Rock. But this time he looks at Peter and he says, Get behind me, Satan. The temptation was real. Later on, we read in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus described exactly what's to happen. Beginning at verse 17, Matthew writes, While Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, He took the twelve disciples aside by themselves, and He said to them on the way, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised. So as Jesus tops the hill, Looking at Jerusalem, he knows. He knows exactly what is about to happen. I wonder what he was thinking and what he was feeling. We learn in the scriptures very clearly that 
that Jesus was fully divine. This is God in human form. This is God with all the power of God. We've seen the incredible miracles that Jesus performed. At the same time, we learn in the scripture that Jesus was fully human. Fully human. With all the feelings, with all the emotions, with all the hurt, the pain, even the joy and laughter. He experienced it all. Hebrews reminds us that we have a God who has experienced everything that we've experienced, yet without sin. So what was Jesus experiencing? I imagine as he was looking over the city, waiting on the disciples to return with the donkey, the temptations were real. Why am I doing this? I imagine there was a voice on the shoulder. Why are you doing this? You're the son of God after all. Why would you do this? I'm reminded when you read the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 4, Luke tells us about the temptations of Jesus. You you may remember the temptations where Jesus had been in the wilderness for so many days and he was hungry and so the, the devil then says, well, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Another temptation Jesus was placed up on the pinnacle of the temple, the temple that he could now look across and see. Why don't you jump off from there? God has said the angels will catch you. That would be impressive. The third temptation, all the kingdoms of the world could be yours if you'll just worship me. And Jesus, one after the other, defeated these temptations. But it wasn't the end of temptation. I love the way Luke puts it in verse 13, chapter 4, when he says, Satan left him, the devil left him, until an opportune time. Temptation is not something we battle once and then it's gone. It's one at a time. And Satan would return to Jesus at an opportune time. I would imagine Palm Sunday was one of those opportune times. There's Jerusalem. I know what's about to happen. I could just turn and go the other way. Jesus could have been tempted to turn around. I imagine he paused here. I imagine he prayed here. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. It was time throughout Jesus' ministry when he would perform a miracle or people would have expectations that they would place on Jesus, he would say, it's not yet my time. This was the time. It was time for Jesus to reveal who he is. It was time for Jesus to fulfill the calling and the purpose of his coming. It it was time. 
you, you can sense that when Jesus sends the disciples to go and find the donkey. And he says to them, and if anyone asks you what you're doing, just tell them the Lord needs it. Often in the past, Jesus would say, tell no one who I am. But this time, you can tell them the Lord needs it. Jesus comes riding into town then on a donkey. This was no accident. It was actually a a very real statement Jesus was making. Matthew reminds us that it's a quote from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. The prophecy of God's new king and what it would be like. And in Zechariah we read, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus, fulfilling the prophecy, comes riding into town on the donkey. The donkey was also a sign of humility. When a king was entering into another kingdom, they had to be careful how they would approach. If one would approach on a, a stallion, a great mighty horse, it could be perceived as a sign of war. If a king was visiting another kingdom in peace, they would often ride the donkey. It was a sign of humility. Obviously, it was not the animal of war. So Jesus comes riding in, and people start waving palm branches. Palm branches. Palm branches served as a sign of Jewish nationalism, actually. It it was like waving little flags. It would be as if another country conquered the United States of America. And years later, when a leader would rise up that our nation believed could be the one to lead us to be independent again, that could lead us to to be the country that we've been called to be, that in spite of the fact that we're held captive by another country, we wave little American flags. That's what was happening on Palm Sunday. The waving of the palm branches was A sign, this could be the king, this could be the one, this could be the one who who reestablishes Israel, that reestablishes Jerusalem as the capital of our nation, a nation and a land that God has given to us. It's reinforced when Matthew tells us that some people took their cloaks and laid them on the ground in front of him. When we read 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13, and Elijah is called to anoint Jehu as the new king, the people begin shouting in joy, and they take their cloaks and they lay them before the newly announced king. Ah, the waving of palm branches, the placing of the cloaks. This is the king. This could be the one. This could change everything. People had their expectations. They had their expectations of what this king would be. And so they began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. The word Hosanna, it actually means 
save us. It's a cry, save us now. It, it comes from Psalm 118, verse 25. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. The palm branches, the cloaks, it's a reminder this is King Jesus, which will later be placed on the top of the cross, King of the Jews. But Jesus wasn't exactly the kind of king the people were looking for. It's interesting that if, if Jesus had consented to be the kind of king the people were looking for, things may have been different. The crowds may have been ready to revolt. The zealots were clearly ready for King Jesus to overthrow the Roman government. Uh, if Jesus had consented to be the king the people wanted him to be, things may have been different. But God, God had a different plan, a greater plan, a different kind of king and kingdom. One of the things we can learn from the scripture is that every time we try to shape Jesus into being who we want Jesus to be, it is always less than who God wants him to be in our lives. Anytime we try to shape Jesus to be who we want him to be, it is always less than the plan that God had for us and who God wants Jesus to be in our lives. In spite of all of this, the, the crowds didn't fully get it. As a matter of fact, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, we're told that the whole city is in turmoil and people are asking, who is this? And the crowds, the very crowds that were waving the branches, shouting Hosanna, laying their cloaks before Jesus, their response is interesting. They go, this is the prophet, Jesus of Nazareth, of Galilee. Hmm. The prophet. Not exactly who God was sending into Jerusalem. Jesus was more than a prophet. This is God himself. Earlier in Matthew 16, when Jesus asked the disciples, knowing that the journey to Jerusalem was coming, he said, who do the people think that I am? Who do the crowds think that I am? And the answer was, some think that you're a prophet. Some think you're Jeremiah, Elijah, John the Baptist. It was then that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And it was Peter who then spoke up and said, I know who you are. I know who you are. You are the Christ. That's the Greek word for God's anointed one. You are the Messiah, the Hebrew word for the anointed one. And who were anointed? The kings were anointed. You are God's king. You are the Christ. But more than that, you are the son of the living God. 
It was then that Jesus changed his name to Peter and said, I'm going to call you Rock, Peter, Petros. And upon this faith, this rock, this Petra, I will build my church. And even the gates of hell cannot prevail against a church that's built on this faith, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. As we go with Jesus into Jerusalem, as we witness the crucifixion on Friday, as we see Jesus on the cross, I invite you to remember, this is not a prophet. This is the Son of God. A God who so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever would believe in Him would never perish, but would have everlasting life. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful that you loved us enough to ride into Jerusalem, to ride into our world, to ride into our lives, to be our Savior to be the King of kings, to be the Lord of lords. And God, we are so grateful that you loved us enough to ride into Jerusalem anyway. That your love was so great that even while we were yet sinners, you would die for us. So as we go through this holy week, a week that changed the world, God, we pray that we would all know who you are, that we would receive you into our lives as our personal Lord, as our Savior, and as the Lord of all the world, of all creation. And God, we pray that our lives would be changed, that through your death we may be forgiven, through your resurrection we may have life, and may we then share your love for the world with the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.